Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we praise and bless you for this day, and we ask you to send your Holy Spirit and renew us in our minds and hearts with the faith that you have given us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'd like to welcome back Father Corey Campo. Father, welcome to the show. Always glad to be here. Father Corey Campo is the pastor at St. Peter's Catholic Church in Gaydon, somewhere that's very close to my heart because that is where we duck hunt. That's and, correct. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to making some hunts with you. So, Father, uh, today I think our topic and what's been on your heart is faith, and uh, I'll let you open it up. Yeah, maybe we can make a little intro and distinction here because faith is, is quite a broad term. We use it so many different ways in the church. You know, there's, there's the faith. Usually, I think when people say faith, what they usually are more often than not referring to is the content of faith. Like, we, we believe in the Catholic faith, and therein, you know, all the, the doctrines and teachings of the church. And that's certainly true. But that is far from the extent of faith, because it's also a gift that God gives us that we sort of operate in him with, that we, we, we move in him, that we know that God is acting and we're able to respond in our faith. And that's kind of the part that I wanted to emphasize because it's crucial, particularly when you've experienced so many difficult things as people have in 2020. I mean, it's become a meme. I preached about that the other day. You know, they, they have, you know, oh, it's 2020. You know, there's going to be a, uh, a, this, a, a snow monster Godzilla thing that's going to come out of the sea. And faith helps us to address ourselves in these kind of circumstances. In 2020, and probably welcoming everyone into 2021 at this time, but what do you make of this year? You know, and it is a time where our faith is so necessary, and you kind of look back on, on 2020 and what is your take on this 2020? Well, What's God trying to tell us? I, I think, well, the first thing is to say that God is not up there pulling all the strings. Like, So some people kind of address it, and that's why it's a struggle for them uh, to understand, like, why would God allow such a thing? Well, the reason is we have allowed it in the sense that God, you know, God sort of created the world and put it into motion, and our even our sins affect even nature itself. So um, I'm... <laughs> I'm not going to say because you sinned last week there was uh, you know, so many hurricanes this, this season kind of thing, but it does directly affect nature. I mean, look when our Lord died on the cross. There was an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Darkness covered the earth. The sun would not show its faith. There is a connection between us and nature. What I would say or emphasize is that God allowed these things. We, in a large part, contributed to them, but God allows them and his purpose in allowing them is different from the one that the enemy may have done or that we may have had. And, and there again, it comes back to faith. You know, the Lord says that he tries, he chastens those who are close to him because they're precious. It purifies our faith and, and puts us in a deeper relationship with him. Father Corey, the thing that I struggle with in 2020 was was how it's changed the church. And uh, and I was at, you know, pretty regular attendee of adoration at St. Pius Church. And and we got shut down over there due to COVID, and you know now the blood of Christ is not available to the to the lay people. It's it's just a real hole in my heart, and and I wonder how we're we gonna you know move on from that. Well, that's a good question. 
in review from my last question, moving into that one, you know, it's it certainly when things started back in March of was it March of 2020? It seemed like anyway, it, it was a real test for the church, and certainly many people uh, question how well the church has done on a grade in responding to this. But regardless of how the church corporately has responded, you know, God was also asking us individually, what do you believe in? You know, I, I know a priest friend of mine, and he had a parishioner who came to church the first day that everything was shut down. And so he had, you know, cameras on the church, and so he saw him read the notice on the door, and he wept. Mm-hmm. He just visibly wept because he couldn't go to Mass. And he said at their first Mass they had publicly he was there when they had mass outside and then sadly the priest actually did his funeral because he he caught the virus at work and in a lot of ways you know not everyone's caught the virus or had it that close in our lives but it's been that same testing of our faith and that it i mean god doesn't want the suffering for us but that we respond in faith is precious to him and he does not fail to reward such a person like i certainly believe the lord looked very favorably favorably on that man when he went to his judgment yeah and and any thoughts of um i'll share with you that this is a crazy thought on my part but you know i thought if they could come up with a way to to package wine into little plastic gummy bear type balls and they could give it in into your hand a way that you could still receive the blood of christ you know, there seems to be, I know that's way out there. I'm sure the church wouldn't approve of that, but I just yearn for it, and it's disappointing, and I wonder if, if you think there's any hope that we'll... Yeah, I think there's very little possibility of coming <laughs> up a way to do that yeah. validly. Probably the closest thing would be to distribute communion by intinction, yeah. which is, you know, the priest takes the, the sacred host and he uh, sort of dips it in the, in the precious blood and gives you you know, the body and blood of Christ there at the same time. But I'll have to emphasize my little theological hat, too, that you receive the whole body of Christ in either species, you know. It is certainly a fuller symbolism there when we receive the the, the precious blood from the chalice. And, well, this is a good example again. So uh, this idea of faith, there's the faith that we believe in and the faith that we have to put into action. So it challenges our faith that we are removed this sensory experience, which we are afforded a lot of as Catholics. It's very important. But in that absence, the Lord calls us to be deeper to him. You know, I, I, I know one of my friends I talked to after, you know, we were entering uh, maybe April still in, into the lockdowns uh, early on, and, and they said, you know, Father, I've never been to watch any of these masses, even on EWTN. I just thought there was no purpose to that. But because I didn't have anything else, I tuned in. And he said, you know what, I want to tell you. I really, I really, and he described what he was experiencing, and it was a grace. God was giving him a grace because of his faith. See, his faith that I believe that God is going to operate in these unusual circumstances, and then God does. That's what I, I'm, I, I'm wanting to emphasize about us growing in our faith, and then we will be able to meet the circumstances better. We've talked a lot on the show about the depth of the Catholic faith here in Acadiana, of the Cajun Catholics in particular, that there's a big yearning for the ones that, you know, that are really what you would call a practicing Catholic that want more. Mm-hmm. They're digging deep. And I see, I watched a video that you had done at Pentecost this year and uh, that you had distributed out, I guess, on Facebook. And 
I, I see the joy of the Lord in you, and I see that you have that depth. I can tell that you're very intellectual and that you, you read a lot and that, uh, you know, you've thought a lot about, about God has touched your heart and that you have a message to, to relay. Am I, am I getting that feeling? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, like I, I called you for our interview today just because I felt you know, moved by the Lord. I've been preaching about, you know, faith. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if my parishioners are sick of me saying it, but I just, I feel so important. Maybe put another way is that a lot of Catholics in Louisiana, like you said, in Southern Louisiana especially, they have faith. You know, I had I had parishioners when I had problems with my sound system and they couldn't hear a thing and they'd still come, you know? <laughs> but there is divine faith we, we, I think, sometimes lack. Like we have the faith as sort of a habit or something that we we do or like it's in the catechism and I got to do it. But that living faith, that divine faith, that no, it is Jesus Christ who is body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And I would rather die than not have that. That's divine faith, right? That's not just something you heard in a book. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a study Bible uh, on the book of John. Calvin and I are doing this together. And fascinating to me and jesus says i am you know to the apostles but also to i guess the jewish people and i believe it's in in john 8 Mm -hmm. and uh and he's he's you know declaring himself one with god and and right he's using the divine name yeah and it's the i guess it's the mystery of uh, also i I attended uh, hammy davis's funeral at the cathedral which was so beautiful Mm -hmm. just if anyone, I think it's on YouTube, if anyone, it's like nothing I've ever attended. I grew up at their house as a kid, and there was at least, I guess, maybe 30 priests that attended, and the bishop, and it was incredible, mm-hmm. uh, just an incredible experience. And and one of the things that, that um, I'm fascinated by, at one, uh, there's an older gentleman at the church that I go to on sometimes on a daily basis, and whenever they go to consecrate the Eucharist, he, he says, my Lord and my God. And I've heard a priest as well say that during the consecration. Is that a tradition from the past? And I, got, I know it's an a, a allusion to the Old Testament, whatever, but what, have you heard that? I'm, I'm not aware that that's no. a tradition for the Mass. I've heard that phrase in some reference, but it's not something cl- explicitly tied to the Mass. But, you know, you see that in the Gospel, people who respond to Jesus that way, you know, get on their knees and say, My Lord my God, it is an expression of faith. But here again, it's a good example for me to emphasize the meaning. I'm trying to point out that, you know, there's there's saying the words, you know, oh yes, Jesus is God, and then there's sort of the act of faith, my Lord and my God. Exemplified in the, the Gospels because, you know, we tend to think it'd be easier to see that Jesus is God if we walked on the shores of Galilee. But the reality is it'd be harder because he's got there his flesh on and like, you know, oh, he's the son of the carpenter. Like, we know who he is. How could he be that? And yet, they say, my Lord and my God. It is an act of faith or even a weak faith like the man with the uh, child who was possessed and the Lord, you know, they, they bring him to the Lord and he says, well, if you can do something, do it. And Jesus kind of turns to him like, if? <laughs> and he says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And maybe that's a good frame of reference for us nowadays with all of these constant struggles we've been going to is, is to say, Lord, I believe. I, I firmly believe that you are doing something right now. I just don't know what it is. Actually, you know, you know about Cardinal Pell. You know the cardinal from the Vatican who was uh, 
you know, convicted falsely for charges and they were finally thrown out because there was no way that he could have done the thing he was accused of. Someone put a quote of his uh, with a picture on Facebook recently and he talked about being falsely in prison for a crime I didn't do for so many months. Much of it actually was also in solitary confinement. And he said, all the while I knew that God was at work, although I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. See, that's real faith in a trial. I mean, being in solitary confinement. And yet he believed, even though he struggled. You see, our flesh, it hurts to be in that circumstance. It hurts a lot. And to believe is to hold on with the fingers of our faith, even though there's nothing in front of me to, to confirm what I believe in my faith. Yeah, uh, in the mystery of carrying of the cross for me when I do my rosary, it's, you know, patience through adversity and uh, is the grace. And uh, I think of what you're saying, that, that's what rings in my mind. And I, whenever I pray that, I think, of the, I think of the coronavirus. I think, okay, Lord, just have faith that we're going to all get through this, you know, and we, we want to pray that that, that that happens. But it will pass, and, you know, the Lord will certainly shine upon us. Um, so, Father, uh, just a little bit more about, about faith. You know, I know that's something that's close on here. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show, and today's guest is Father Corey Campo. He is the pastor at Gaydon, uh, St. Peter's Church, and uh, just a, a real blessing in my life, and, and so glad to have him on the show today. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. So you mentioned in the video that I saw at Pentecost, which is a time that's always when I had my conversion, I feel like 16 years ago at Cursia, about baptism of the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. how the, the Holy Spirit is tr- that truth and it gives us that faith that you're talking about. Talk a little bit. I enjoyed your... your, your yeah, your, your that, that. that's a good question. So, and the Holy Spirit is a good example of faith because you cannot correspond with the Holy Spirit without faith because you can't see him. You know, the Holy Spirit is immaterial. Jesus, and, and you see it in the gospel more clearly about God the Father, Jesus says that he reveals the Father. Because the Father, God the Father does not have a human faith. I mean, I remember when I entered into seminary, you have, oh my gosh, the amount of interviews and testimonies and psychological evaluations, but there was the one of the first interviews they asked in, the, in, in it, which person of the Holy Trinity do you identify the most with? And I thought it was a dumb question. Why would anyone say anything but Jesus was my response at the time? Because that's all that I knew. Now I know and understand and feel that, no, we are meant to have a relationship with the whole Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But without a relationship with Jesus, we can't have a relationship with God the Holy Spirit or God the Father because it requires faith to correspond there. So as we we began to act with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he does act in rather dramatic ways. It's sort of easy to see, you know, like Paul being struck down on the ground, you know, that kind of thing. But then he also acts in, in, in more humble ways that we don't recognize immediately and r- later realize, oh, that, that was God, mm-hmm. you see. And we begin in that process to, be, to attune our faith to the moving, movings and inspirations of the Lord that we become more keenly aware and ready to respond or you know being able to bring him in our sufferings and trust like cardinal powell we were talking about a little while ago and and be able to trust that he's at work even though everything around me looks like a disaster at the funeral um uh hammy's father dr happy davis who i had known uh, just a great man and just an extremely catholic family he had a, a a thing in his closet that his son had seen in the family and all 
and it said the greatest gift they could give their children is to is to love their mother and that really touched me and it touched a lot of a lot of my friends we talked about it afterwards and you know when I think of the relationship with the father, I think of my own father, who, who was a convert, but not the most holy guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think about, wow, what if he was, you know? What if my father or your father and may, may have been just the holiest person that you know? How heartwarming, how much security, how wonderful that would be. And when I think of that, that's, that's my vision of, of that relationship with the father. Very much so. He wants us to have that relationship. And, you know, I, I've, well, I'd say that I've cultivated it. It's really God has cultivated it, and I've, I've responded because, you know, we want confidence in so many other things. I mean, I, I do, you know, talk to a lot of priests, and they talk about, they, you know, they kind of shake and worry because, like, the bishop is calling, oh, no, he's going to move me or he's going to do something. You know, but confidence in the Father teaches us to learn, that, like, no, I don't need to be afraid because he's my Father. He's got my back. Yes. What more do I need? But you said our mother, too, which, of course, is Mary. St. Louis de Montfort correctly says that if you don't have Mary as your mother, you can't have God as your father. Mm-hmm. And and she's very crucial to me. I've come to know Jesus as deeply as I have in the way that you kind of watched from my video because I've known Mary. Like She is the one who's led me to a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I believe that we need her in this age. I believe that Mary is crucial for this age because of, well, it's in the providence of God that Mary should come forward because she shows what is meant to happen in us. She's already without sin, but she also had to live in that. And she's the example God wants to bring about in the church and in our hearts what already occurred in Mary. Jesus talks about this to, I think, servant of God, Luisa Picaretta. Luisa Picaretta is, but I don't remember where she is in her canonization process. But she talks about that, and I've experienced it anyway, in the middle of dealing with the hurricanes of 2020 and the COVID and and the people saying, Father, what's going on? You know, going to Mary helps me reframe and, and get back where I need to be because she, more than any other human, does that. And she's our mother. I mean, you go to mom, right? That's a Cajun thing. You don't know what's going on. You go go see mama. Go see mama. Mama's going to have food, advice, mm-hmm. protection, all those good things. A warm bed. Coming out of that funeral, one of the things that I took away that I was sharing with my wife was how when you, and, and you must see this a lot, obviously, but at funerals and weddings, there's a lot of people that attend church that don't normally attend church. And um, they don't, they're lost in the mass, you know, they, they don't kneel when they're supposed to kneel, they, they, all those things. And I'm not being, <clears throat> certainly not being a hypocritical, everyone, I believe faith is a personal thing, but I see that, and, um, and then non-Catholics that attend and don't know really what to do, and we do our best to, to, to describe what to do, but, you know, I don't know, I just feel this sadness for, for those that come, and I, because I feel like they want it, they want that personal relationship as a, as a, as a practicing Catholic, but <clears throat> they just don't have it. You, you see that some? Oh, I, I see it very much, even putting aside the, the sitting, standing, and kneeling, because, you know, even Catholics in a different place, when there's, you know, fewer people in the church and you're kind of all alone, they get, they get confused sometimes. But I, I, as a priest celebrating funerals, I have a sense, even if for some reason I didn't get to talk to the family, very quickly, as soon as I start saying the Mass, I have a sense of how much faith the people in the congregation yes. have. And I don't, again, I, like you were saying, I don't mean that as any slight. It's a real pain to my heart, though, 
mm-hmm. because I know when they have little faith that they're not going to have very much consolation. And so my heart goes out to how lost they much feel. And it's not even how often they go to church, because I've done some funerals for several people who, who took their own lives. And I know the people in that congregation that many of them don't go to church very often. And yet, in that moment, there's an openness to faith. And I can kind of feel that. And the Lord gives me words that I didn't really prepare for to preach to them to stir up that faith. That's another good example of how God uses an objectively evil thing when someone takes their own life or even just the end of someone's life and he brings about a good thing. That these people, with their hearts having been melted, they've been frozen hearts for so long, but now it's melted because of this great tragedy. They open their hearts and then God just stuffs it to overflowing with his graces. And they might not even realize what has happened in that moment for years, but someone will help them eventually realize that that was God and they come to faith. And that's the beautiful thing that God does in the midst of tragedy. Tell me about surrender. You know, that's a big part of the faith faith journey and, and about faith. But for the average layperson who's out there with a job and, and several kids and just in the rat race of, of life, doesn't really know how to surrender or what that means Give me a little bit. Well, I, I don't know anyone who just automatically knows how to surrender. I mean, I myself struggle with that. So I think maybe that's the key, that living out our faith requires surrender. Like if the Lord is saying, go out in the deep, like throughout the nets in the deep, de profundis, you will have to surrender. That's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, when, well, I, I can tell you one thing that's been helpful to me. I read a post from a Catholic blogger who was talking about Father Delindo, I think is how you say his name. He was like a spiritual father to Padre Pio, and he had this great surrender prayer. I I pray it from time to time. And the refrain of the novena, it's actually a novena prayer, is, you know, Jesus, take care of everything. And there's certainly a way we can say Jesus, take care of everything, as like a divine slot machine. <laughs> but I think even if we have that attitude and we prayed that prayer consistently, it's going to get us into that attitude of surrender. Because it, it's, it's Jesus, take care of everything because you love me. You know, it's like Cardinal Pell. I surrender. I'm in solitary confinement. They've wrongly, like they stacked the deck against me. They've ignored laws to put me here. And yet, God is here. And once we have that attitude, we can just surrender, and it doesn't matter what all Satan and all of the world does against me because God has got my back. And if I lose my life, well, praise the Lord, I'm going to go meet him. Yeah, that's come up a lot. You know, Hammy, at this, he died prematurely, you know, had a tumor at, at, at the age of 60. And then you see a lot of young people that have gotten sick and died, and, and you wonder, and I hear from my friends, fear you know and and we hear that in the bible so often you know fear not but fear plays into a lot of the uh the catholic uh faith and and into the to your lay people you know and and how does the fear you know for me like i remember when i left Corsia, it was like i was fearless you know it's like mm-hmm. death is okay it's okay you know it uh and that's I think that when you have the deep faith and you, and you you grow in your journey you become more fearless Yeah, you could use a ship analogy. When you have faith, it's not that the seas are not rough around you. You know, even to the captain, 
he is concerned about the weather, even though he knows what to do. But, you know, those big cruise ships, they have really deep keels and they have stabilizers. So when the waves are kicking, unless it's extraordinarily bad, it's going to keep the ship pretty steady. And faith is a little bit like that. It's not going to take away your sufferings or your feelings of fear or, or all those other disturbances. But it keeps you even keeled, that you kind of staying in the same place and even when there's a really huge storm it's a tsunami it's going to it's going to keep you afloat have you heard this story regarding faith that little girl on an airplane and the the plane's going through a lot of turbulence and people start getting real nervous and then it really starts to bounce around and everybody's really upset and, and yelling and beginning to pray and little girl's just calm the whole time and it continues to get worse and worse and the plane's bouncing and and the guy turns to the little girl and says, little, how can you be so calm, little girl? You know, I, I don't understand how. You Don't you realize this plane's getting ready to crash? And she says, well, my daddy's the pilot. Right, right. That's it, huh? That is the idea. Uh, and, and with faith, the, the fear you talked about, too, it goes all the way back to the garden. It's the devil's old trick. He's not really creative, and he goes back to what? Fear of death. He comes to Adam because serpent in Hebrew also doesn't mean like, you know, little Cajun boys like, what, a garden snake? I'll get the hoe, take care of that. But (laughs) it also means Leviathan. So like, think of a a dragon. You know, Adam is called to guard the garden and there's this dragon here. And what is he called to do? He's called to lay down his life. But what does Satan use? Fear of death. Like even with reputation, it's fear of death. Like I'm afraid I'm going to lose my reputation. It's the same trick that the devil uses. What we are called to do is to, to have faith. God has spoken and his word is true and that's it. I'm taking it to the bank and to surrender. And I recognize that that's not easy to do. I'm not trying to trivialize it. It's really hard. But that's also why it's precious to God. That's why it's so precious to him because he knows what it costs us. He himself felt it when he went through his passion. Yeah. Just a couple of minutes left on the show, Father. Um, you know, uh, just some final thoughts about about faith, and and maybe you can take us out with with prayer. Sure. What I want people to know is there is the content of the faith, and we do need to believe in that. And that's the beginnings, the stirrings of faith. You know, another stirring of faith. You know, the beginning of wisdom is fear of God. Well, it's it's going. It's already moving to the idea that God is bigger than me. Everyone keeps looking. And kind of asking me about, Father, you know, is so-and-so in the corporation or so-and-so in a political party, are they going to fix all the problems? No. No one in the world is going to fix our problems. So growing in faith is to recognize at the core that my problem is that I am a sinner. And the problems in the world is that we are sinners. And the problem after that is just like in the garden, we kept trying to fix it ourselves, believing that we're going to have the ability to do it and more and more what we're called to do, many people have been quoting it, Protestants and Catholics alike, 2 Chronicles 7, I think it is. And it's actually interesting because it's God speaking to the king of Israel about a pandemic, you know, that when there's going to be a plague among the people, what to do? And he says, if my people who are called by my name turn away from their sin, come back to me and call out my name, I will heal their land. And that's really the the call to grow in our faith, to recognize our sinfulness, to recognize that we have contributed to the place that we find ourselves, repent of that sin, turn to the Lord and cry out to Him. Not only, and actually I want to add, not just cry out to Him, 
but cry out to him and give him permission to act in the way that he wants instead of telling him how, when, and where, and in what way to do it. And then we will find our peace in the middle of whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Boom is all I got to say about that. It's been a great opportunity to have you on the show today. And thank you for sharing your faith with with us. So we've been listening to Father Corey Campo on Cajun Catholics. And again, thank you, Father, for being here. God bless you. You'll be in my prayers. My pleasure. Amen. Till next time, engage the Cajun Catholic in you.